Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Hanging in there. Uh, big week. Big week coming up. So, getting uh, trying to get my mind right for the big week. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here in New York City getting ready for this big week. Forgot my microphone at home, but hey, we're making it work. Uh, the AirPod quality is not as good as what we thought it would be, so we're just using the uh, quality on the laptop. But uh, we're going to talk Kentucky football first, Derek, uh, and we're going to kind of look back at what happened on Saturday night against Tennessee and just a missed opportunity, another missed opportunity for a Kentucky football program, a, a trend that kind of continues at that point of the season to where they don't play their best football fall in a bye week. And for some reason, it always seems like Tennessee's grouped into that game, too, that's in that period that's coming off uh, late October, early November, Derek, and Kentucky just could not stop anything. Tennessee, If Tennessee would have had the ball 50 times, I think they would have scored 48 of them. Uh, yeah, I mean – Truly, uh, Josh Heupel, I thought, phrased it pretty well. He said it was a really unique win for Tennessee, and uh, I think he was spot on because you look at that box score, and uh, I've never seen anything like it. I never covered a U.K. game like that. We're not really used to U.K. playing in shootouts to begin with, but it wasn't just that. I mean, there were some really, um, if you're a U.K. fan, pretty pretty devastating stats that came out of that in terms of – you know, historically, I believe Corey Price tweeted. Uh, I can't remember the exact record, but they were undefeated, right? Whenever they had scored at least 41 points in regulation, I think they'd never lost a game. So, you know, they get to 42 in regulation. Um, obviously, they take their loss. They have – it's the third time in school history they've had more than 600 yards against Tennessee, and they've lost all three games. Uh, but you're right about the – Two, two things, I mean, yeah, well, more than two, but like you said, defensively, I mean, we can talk about the time. I mean, Kentucky literally had the ball for three over three quarters, 46 minutes of game time, but, but that doesn't matter as much whenever, you know, Tennessee did not – none of their scoring drives. They had, I think, six scoring drives, which were, I think, four touchdowns or – yeah, yeah, okay. Off, yeah, offensively, they had four touchdowns and they had three uh, – and a field goal, and then of course the the pick six. So, or no, they they had five offensive touchdowns, and didn't they? Yeah, because they had a rushing touchdown. I forgot about that. Yeah, Jabari Small had a rushing touchdown. Um, none of those scoring drops took more than two sixteen, so they just didn't really need any time to to do that. I mean, they ran forty seven plays, but you know a couple of those were at the end of the game, just just nil downs. So, um, just didn't really need to. Do much, but the two the two big things that you know you get down to the end of the game and you, you look back in a close game, you know, on the plays that mattered. Well, well, before the half, first of all, I'd say Will Levis played a great game. I thought he did. Uh, I thought. I mean, he's had other games that I, mean, I guess LSU. You could say he was a little bit more flawless, uh, but the numbers, you know, he didn't have to put up quite as huge numbers, but. Um, he, he threw some really good balls in that first half, but that drive right before halftime when it's tied at 21, he airmails one to a wide-open Chris Rodriguez that UK was lucky didn't get picked off on the same hand. Tennessee was lucky it wasn't an accurate ball because that would have been a big gain. Uh, I don't know that he would have scored a touchdown, but it would have been a big gain. 
The next throw, Wandell's open. It's a little behind him. Probably some blame on both. Needs to be a better ball, but Wandell maybe could have caught it. And then the fourth down, I don't know if Wandell slipped or what, but I didn't think the ball was that bad. But that was three straight plays Kentucky had that should have been at least a first down. And, uh, you know, Stoop said after the game he should have punted it. I don't, I don't, I don't think he made the wrong decision. I, I'm not with him on that. I don't think he should have punted. I mean, they had the plays there to get it done. <clears throat> Excuse me. But more embarrassing, Sean, is that you can't, Tennessee runs three plays and, and gains 35 yards and gets a field goal. So you look at three points at the end, and then, of course, the other play, the, the pick six. I mean, that's when your defense was having a hard enough time stopping them. That's kind of, you know, it was, it was a, a bad read on Levis's part, good play by Taylor, and, you know, that's 10 points right there, whereas Kentucky – and I'll throw in one more play for you, Sean. I'll turn it over to you. The pass interference, which was a correct call. I don't have any problems at all with the call against Vito Tisdale. Vito's in position. If he just waits a second longer, he makes the tackle. It's not even close to a first down. UK could have the ball back right there, 21-14. Who knows what happens after? So those are the plays you look at whenever you lose. I mean, they were close in some ways, but at the same time, you look at it, man, and you say, you know, with the way that the defense played, I mean, it, they made it really tough on, on, on the offense. Yeah, and just no pushback whatsoever from the defense. At no point did you ever feel like, that Kentucky could actually stop Tennessee. They get the stop there at the end and force the missed field goal, and that's the drive Kentucky can't go and get anything on. And it just – I looked at you multiple times. I said it's, it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. And it, that's what it ultimately came down to, and Kentucky just couldn't find the end zone. <clears throat> but, Derek, it's just it, – it just it was frustrating to watch. It was frustrating to – for the last couple of weeks to watch their defensive backs to try to cover. And we've made a lot of talk the last couple of years about how – bad the wide receiver room was the db room right now defensive backs there's just it's a lack of talent across the board i mean it's it's not good and does does that go hand in hand though the fact that there for a couple of years they couldn't throw the ball how much work were those guys getting in practice and in opportunities they, they it's not like they were really recovering an elite passing attack there for a few years do you think that that plays anything into it or is it just a talent problem I'd say probably more talent problem, but I can see uh, from your perspective a little bit. I just figure they they do enough drills and things like that. But they're, I, I do think it's a big talent problem too. They're very thin. They just do not have many options. I mean, I don't I don't know that Andrew Phillips has really even played this season. Um, at least I haven't seen him out there. If he has played, and you know, you can look at it and say, well, he was he was out for a few of those games. That's true. But Vito Tisdale played a whole hell of a lot the other night. Uh, Joel Williams, his first game back, played a lot. Tom McClain gets in there. I mean, those other guys, um, that's not stopped them from getting out on the field. And you've seen the way that those DBs have played. If you felt like that kid could help you, I seriously doubt he would be on the bench for the whole game. So a little concerning there, I would say, that I thought he was one of their better recruits. And if you actually go on paper, I think he's their highest rated guy. But that's another point I wanted to make. And, you know, I think – I could be wrong. I think every other – maybe tight end. I think tight end's the only other position group on the team. And actually running back – no, Drennan. Drennan counts as a running back now. I think every other position on the team has at least one four-star at the position group. Cornerback doesn't. And I don't, I'm thinking tight end probably doesn't either. But, you know, you – that was a lot to lose last year for Kentucky. Yeah, it was. And, and in hindsight, I'm sure they would have gone out and got a corner. If they could have, maybe they considered it. They just didn't have anybody. But, you know, you lose Eccles and Joseph to the NFL, 
But not just that, you lose Devonshire and, and Jamari Brown to, to Power Five programs. And again, I don't know. I mean, neither one of those guys did anything that that made you think. I mean, honestly, I think Carrington Valentine showed more last year than both those guys. But Jamari Brown had started some games in 2019. I, it's hard for me to figure out why he left. Honestly, um, yeah. just just knowing that you know he was gonna have a chance to compete for a starting job again this year, I thought. But you know, maybe he didn't see it that way. Uh, but you know that's that's four corners though that were all at the very minimum rotation guys, and you know they're they're in a tough spot now. The the one thing I would say about the defense, and, and it's been brutal. I mean, there's no the passing defense; it has been awful, and that's just not on the corners. It's just not on the safeties. I mean, you know, pass rushes here and there. I, I didn't think it was horrible against Tennessee. Um, you know, there, there have been some games this year for sure where they had a tough time getting to the quarterback. But I just think you have to trust that Stoops will, will figure that out. I mean, they're not – I saw some people talking on our message board, uh, and, again, it was right after the game. People when they're in the, in the heat of it right after the game. I think they probably calmed down a little bit a few days after. But, like, he has shown you, Stoops, that is, and, and the defensive coaches, they can put together very good defenses with the right people. It's just about getting the right personnel in there, Sean. It is, absolutely. And, and they're going to hit the portal hard. Here. And I mean, and, and especially when, when this season's over with in December and they move into January, they're, they're going to hit the portal hard and they're going to have some options. They're going to have options that are that are ready to instantly make an impact. Eric, and you know that the secondary it might be completely revamped by the time we look at this thing. And if if anything, the way Kentucky's offense is starting to make plays, you're starting to see some guys come along. You're seeing a quarterback whose confidence is growing. It's it's not all hopeless. For next year like you don't know who's going to emerge and who's going to transfer in they get two or three guys to add to that room and they develop some of these guys like Carrington Valentine still has a ton of potential it'll be okay a year from now like they're they're not that far off but it's just frustrating to watch the last two weeks they got completely carved up two different styles of play and it just I mean made two quarterbacks look like Heisman candidates you're not going to you just can't win games doing that. Like there was Kentucky's offense pretty much had to play flawless to win that game. And the turnover just that, that was just a backbreaker, but that turnover, Derek, I mean, I, I see a lot of people talking about will and, you know, man, you, you can't say that he was great when he makes a play like that. He was great. He, he was unbelievable. If you, if that's the will Levis you get, let's say 10 out of 12 times, Kentucky has a chance to win 10 football games. Like, that's how good he was Saturday night. He was the only reason they had a chance, the plays he made. Josh Ali got involved. Wondell Robinson had a great night. I mean, you, you can't say anything about the offense. It, that was that was certainly on the defense, but leads me into this. And I know uh, our buddy Brady messaged us or tweeted at us, wanting us to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the expectations of and then going nine and three and what it means for the program if they do it again. And, and that, that line of between is the program being a top 15 program and all this stuff, Derek, it, it's, a, it's a disappointing loss. And I will say this, Saturday night into Sunday morning, I'm sitting there and I'm frustrated just covering the program because you're like, man, they've had this opportunity to get the 10 wins regular season. And they, they have their two worst performances of the season back-to-back -back after Georgia. But if this team can finish this thing and go nine and three, the more I thought about it, it signals how much this program has really transformed that people are pissed off that Kentucky could go nine and three. Like fans are actually pissed off that right there enough is 
to show how far this program's come, Derek, the fact that non-win seasons aren't acceptable when you have this opportunity. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I mean, going back to Levis, you're, you're, you're right. I mean... It wasn't a flawless performance, but no game is going to be. I think for a quarterback, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you would think Hendon Hooker and Will Rogers are flawless <laughs> against UK. But uh, for, for a UK quarterback, from what we've seen from Levis, yeah, he was he, – he put them in position to win for sure. I mean, he, that was uh, the most passing yards for a Kentucky quarterback since Patrick Tolles in 2014. Um, he's already thrown more touchdowns this season than any other Stoops quarterback. He's got a decent chance, really, to end up with about 25 touchdown passes this year. I don't know how many yards he'll end up getting. I mean, we've got a chance to put up some numbers these next few weeks, but, you know, if you think if they're handling business the right way, maybe he won't, you know, he'll, he probably won't play in the fourth quarter of those games, you would hope, these next two weeks. Um, but, yeah, going Trey, – Trey tweeted at us and asked, you know, from a from a fan – or having perspective on, you know, seven to nine wins still means a lot and recruiting still not what it needs to be. And then two, longing, longing and expecting to be a top 15-ish team. I – you know, when they were sitting at six and zero, there's no doubt you could look at it and see eleven wins. I've never disputed that. We've talked about it on this show, um, and even more so now these past few weeks, and even before now, they've had some injuries, um, just some bad games. I mean, you see that they don't have eleven win talent. The way the way I think you gotta look at it is, and Missouri's turned out to be kind of bad, but at the time, Missouri, South Carolina was closer than it should have been, although they did. What was up with that Florida score, Sean? Did you see that? Dude. I had no idea what happened there. It seems like days are coming to an end for uh, – Well, and that's the thing I think that makes it kind of frustrating with Kentucky is they started out 6-0, but who did they really beat there? Yeah, at the end of the season, it's not going to look um, – it's not going to look great. Um, and, and, I, and I was telling somebody that yesterday. If they go 9-3, and three, none of these wins – none of these nine wins you really feel like they really beat anyone good. But here's the thing. They play who's on their schedule. They right. didn't make their conference schedule. And that, yeah. that's the thing. Like, they're yeah, and, it's still going to be – if they go 9-3, and three, it's still 9-3 and three regardless of who they play. They took care of business. There are other teams in the SEC not taking care of business, Florida being one of them. I mean, you could have said the same thing if they went 11-1. and one. If they would have yeah. beat – Mississippi State would, would have a losing record right now. Um, Tennessee would probably still get to, what, 500 probably. But Florida, you know, is going to – Florida's got five conference losses, you know. I mean, my thing is you had a lot of close games, games that you would consider, and at least in the talent range, just toss-ups. 
they beat LSU, they beat Florida, they beat South Carolina, they beat Missouri. I'm assuming, you know, there's not a close talent. I mean, they're they're superior in every way to Vanderbilt. They should win that game. Um, so that's, you know, they, they got to five wins. And then I would say, you know, Georgia was the one game they were clearly, they're just not as good of a football team as Georgia. And then you got Mississippi State and Tennessee. I think you look at them on paper like as toss-ups. Tennessee has definitely far exceeded expectations for this year a very thin team but let's not kid ourselves they have some very good players like Hendon Hooker is playing at an all I'm not saying all-time but for his career it's definitely an all-time high I mean we watched him at Virginia Tech he was not that quarterback (laughs) whenever he was a quarterback in that team I mean Jones is a transfer from USC Peyton who scored their first touchdown came from Mississippi State Um, Cedric Tillman's had a good year I mean they have guys who can play Jalen Hyatt Jimmy Callaway, they got four-star guys, that wide receiver, who don't play it, or at least in that game, didn't, you know, make a ton of plays. Um, two starting – both their starting tackles are five stars in high school. Uh, you know, they, they have good players. Alante Taylor was a four-star player who made the pick six. So, the depth for sure. And, again, I do think in year nine of Mark Stoops, you know, he needs to win that game against the first-year head coach. But it's not like there's a – and maybe that's disappointing to UK fans, but there is not a significant gap, though. Whether you want to look at that as a positive or a negative, you could look at it as a negative and say, well, shoot, you know, they're nine years into the Mark Stoops here and they can't, they're not significantly better than a Tennessee team that's been through all this turmoil. Well, I mean, you, UT recruited a top 10 class just a few years ago with Jeremy Pruitt. Now, a lot of those guys are gone, but there's still depth there. They still have more four stars, they still have more five stars in Kentucky. Um, but I think the top series is going to be for a while. That's how the Mississippi State series is. I mean, you see it basically whoever the home team is now in the Mississippi State game wins. With Tennessee, you know, Kentucky's won two out of the last five, but the last two games, well, the last three games in Kroger Field, really, Steven Johnson scored a touchdown there at the end. Those games come down to the very last possession. You know, that's just how it's going to be. It ain't going to be like, the you know, the 90s when they got beat by 50 every game. <clears throat> so you're going to have some heartbreakers. You're going to have some games like last year where you go out and play well against those guys. But this year, or at least this, these past few weeks, Sean, the way I look at this, you can tell me if you agree, as, as bummed out as fans might be right now, I still think the only way people truly use the word disappointment is if they lose to Louisville. Yep. That would be the only way. I don't think you can look at nine and three as a Kentucky football fan. And I'm not telling you not to expect more. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't think you can look at this season if they go nine and three in the regular season and say that they somehow failed. <laughs> I just I just I can't I can't wrap my head around that. It's not true. No. It's not. And if they get nine and three, then they're going to be in a solid bowl game against a solid opponent with a chance to get a 10 10 win season again. But I'm with you. Eight and four would be disappointing and failing. But I just don't see yeah. I don't see that happening. I just think they're going to have too much pride in that final game. They're not losing the next two. But no. they're just going to have so much pride in that that rivalry. If if they were Oh, and 11, that it wouldn't matter going into that final game. I just think there's so much pride on the line there. And uh, I, I think this team's going to end up nine and three. Uh, the, the cool thing, though, that I told you the other night, that in the midst of all the struggles, it's kind of overshadowed how promising the offense was with Will Levis and kind of spreading the ball around. And, and just the way he played, Derek, to me, just bodes well moving forward in these next three games in a bowl game. But not only that, but next year. Like that, yeah. that was really, that's, a, that's the tape that you want to show to recruits. 
and wide receivers down the stretch here and transfer portal or anything else that you're going after offensively. Like, hey, look, we got a quarterback who has all the tools probably to be a top five quarterback in the league next year if he comes back. And, I mean, that's the second time that he's had three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns in a game this year. That's the only quarterback in Kentucky history to do that. I think he did it against LSU the first time. And then in a loss to Tennessee, I mean, that's impressive. He, he's been He's been the best thing that they've had in a long time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and then like you're talking about, it's not – Yeah, Wandale had a huge night. I mean, 13 catches, 166 yards. I thought it was interesting, Sean. It matched the uh, – I was talking to you about with Nick Roush at the uh, in the postgame presser right before Stoops got in there. That, that's the exact same line that Lynn Bowden had at Missouri. You can believe it. 13 catches, 166 yards. Although uh, Lynn didn't have a touchdown receiving that game. Of course, he had the rushing – or the uh, punt return for a touchdown. But, no, it was other guys too. Uh, Isaiah Cummings, four catches, 75 yards. He catches the touchdown to get it back down to three, where he drug a dude from the five-yard line. And um, and then, of course, you know, he had uh, that miracle fourth and 24. He got wide open, caught the ball. Great play by him. Uh, and then Will, too. And a good play call, I guess you could say. I don't know how many fourth and 24 plays they have in the playbook. Probably not many. Um but Jatama Lane did a few things. You know, Josh, you mentioned Josh Ali. Of course, Josh won't be back next year. But that I thought that was encouraging because he kind of – Will and Ali kind of took what was there. He had seven catches for 74 yards. I don't remember any of those catches. I don't have the stats pulled up. Uh, actually, here I do. Yeah, his longest catch was 13 yards. But very consistent. Uh, he was basically a first down every time he caught the ball that game. So, uh Brenda Bates, I thought, made a nice play. I still would like to see some more of Bates. Um, but he'll be back next year. I mean, you got the pieces there. And, of course, they got Todd Harris committed over the weekend. He's the number one wide receiver right now in the transfer portal. That, that very well could change when some more guys go in. But, yeah, that was the encouraging thing from the offense. And my thing, and we'll wrap this one up, my, my thing is just uh, don't – don't. do you remember a couple of years ago – after it was the same situation, they had a heartbreaking loss to Tennessee. Maybe, maybe that one's even more heartbreaking. I don't know. I mean, when you get stuffed on the goal line like that, it's tough to take. Um, they went down to Vanderbilt, a bad Vanderbilt team, and kind of messed around for a quarter. I think they might have even yeah. been down fourteen to three that game. I could see an emotional letdown it's with you know losing three straight. Don't don't come out there and play around this game. Like take it right to no. Vanderbilt. And because here's my thing, Sean, and this is why I think fans should feel good about the Louisville game, you really should have a chance to get some guys rested up these next few weeks. I'm yeah. not saying you're going to go out there and play your, you know, your damn second string against Vanderbilt, but you, you need to take care of business, get get the starters out to rest up. It needs to be the same deal next week, and then you can go into that Louisville game with hopefully Mark Wama calls back. You know, you hope Jordan Wright's back, a couple of these other guys who have missed games. So that would be my thing, you know, maybe a slow start next weekend, but really they got far, far superior talent. Go out there and take care of business. Get some of these younger guys a chance. Get Bo Allen some reps. I mean, Bo nearly started the second half the other night. So uh, if Levis is banged up a little bit, you don't want him taking too many hits uh, these next few weeks because you're going to need them for Louisville. So that, that would be my message all week is, you know, get back on the – they should get back in the winning column this weekend and – uh Go out there and take care of business and let some of your buddies who have been practicing hard all year get a chance to uh, play some – get some live reps. 
Yeah, and find a way to get to, to nine and three and then kind of see where you are with the bowl game and where, you know, where you could be going. Uh, the New Year's six is out the window. That's disappointing because they had an opportunity if they'd have got one of these last two wins. But, but Eric, this program just needs to keep its uh, head down moving forward and, and try to get back in a position to get another opportunity to do that. And they're going to be in a great position recruiting-wise. Like the program is not in a bad spot, regardless of what happened the last two weeks. I don't think that this is a momentum killer because I think that they're still done so much to help themselves, especially on the offensive side, that everything, everything will be fine. The defense. Yes. Disappointing. You know, Brad Watt is upset about that. You know, Mark Stoops being a, a DB guy himself takes a lot of pride in that as well. We'll see what happens, but they have three games here to close the season on a positive note. And you and I've talked about this multiple times. The way that you close kind of over overshadows the entire thing. And if they can close strong, like last year, last year wasn't a good year, but everybody had all this buzz going into the offseason because of the way they closed and won a bowl game. And then everybody started announcing that they were coming back for that extra year. They'll find a way to have positive momentum going into the spring if they with a strong finish here. So I'm not too worried about it, Derek. Obviously, like I said, Saturday, Sunday morning, I was pretty upset because I'm like, man, they let an opportunity slip by the last two weeks, didn't play their best football, but they still have opportunities moving forward here to to do something. And at nine and three at Kentucky, it's not just an average season. That's a really good season if they can get to that mark. But as always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.